house. No, the right no, house. I didn't get We want to talk to Marilyn Hack. I'm from Canada Water. Where do I begin to tell the story of how my mother left me? Your mother is in a state of crisis. What is this? Adoption papers. Dr. Finch has agreed to become your legal guardian. You're giving me away to your shrink? No doctor lives here. Shh. Everyone, wake up! A miracle! Dr. Finch is sort of an unusual shrink. Would you like some of these? What are they? Just got some samples in the mail, so I don't know. Words cannot describe these people. Just a little kibble. It's for dogs. Well, I guess you're afraid to try new things, Augustine. Dr. Finch has two daughters. Of the daughters, Hope is by far Finch's favorite. I know this because... Hope, you are by far my favorite daughter. And then there's Natalie. Are you ready? For what? To play doctor. What are you guys doing? Electroshock therapy. Awesome. Hello and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast putting Natalie Portman to the question about why the hell she wore those fake teeth. Every week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we are here to perform the autopsy. I'm your host, Joe Reed. I'm here as always with my poetry circle protege, Chris File. Hello, Chris. Good morning, Joe. Are you tapped into your creative unconscious? I am very much tapped into my creative unconscious. <laughs> oh boy. Um this movie I'm is... so thrilled to um hear your opinion on every single bit of this because I've seen this movie more than once and you oh, wow. I believe, okay. have not seen this movie and we I had haven't seen discussed it... anything since you've watched it. I had definitely seen it before this time, but only the once. So this was just oh, my second okay. time watching okay, the movie. As we will get into, I was a big fan of the book of the Augustine Burroughs memoir, As Running was with Scissors. I. Um, I read it at a very uh, interesting slash crucial part of my life where I had just come out. I was sort of a late mm. coming out. I didn't come out till after college. And I w- didn't really have this like long extended clandestine closeted life when i was closeted i pretty much uh kept that shit under wraps so i think my coming out i had really started to investigate a lot of queer art i think that was around the time that i saw hedwig the movie for the first time Mm -hmm. and really sort of like started to let myself um in on a lot of these sort of queer uh texts in in certain ways and this was definitely one this was the the memoir running with scissors really popular around that time in yeah, the early I, I, to mid aughts we will we will put it in all caps at that time yes oh yes for sure like it's definitely one where like hindsight really has a much more sort of uh, jaundiced eye towards yeah yeah that. we'll get into it we'll get into it um but i i remember being thoroughly fascinated with it and then not too long after they announced the movie adaptation and they announced that it was going to be ryan murphy who at that time i had i mean speaking of getting into allowing myself to explore sort of queer texts i had already seen uh his wb series popular which was very especially for its time very queer very sort Mm of uh uh, can't be, although he probably wouldn't object to that term for that show. Um, 
I loved it. I didn't watch it while it aired, but I watched it not too long after when it was on uh, available on DVD. And I think I I think I rented those discs through Netflix. I think that was one of the, like my early Netflix TV mm-hmm. show binges. Um, that and the early first season of Twenty Four. Um, was super super into popular and then i was also into nip tuck although in a less like i loved popular it's tough to love nip tuck just because it's so uh, once again at that time exactly we liked nip tuck right i i will still say i still look back on nip tuck and i feel like there was a lot uh, it, it was very uh, interesting, fascinating television. Probably a lot of stuff, certainly a lot of stuff that we would now um, look back on poorly. It's but... the kind of like uh, high-end trash that I wish Ryan Murphy made now. Well, we'll certainly get into the Ryan Murphy of it all um, right, right. Uh, when we get into it. I think there's a lot to talk about. I think I will probably be doing a good bit of... Um, defense attorney work uh working against <laughs> prosecutor uh file here fantastic fantastic i i will be i will be the da prosecutor um you will be yes you will be the um uh oh what's uh oh no she was a defense attorney i was trying to think of um uh law and order this is primal uh, fear i am laura on, on linney law you are richard gear there we go and the Thank murderer you. is ryan murphy <laughs> <laughs> the multiple personality murder. Well, we'll get into um, questions of per, uh, possible murder um, when we talk about uh, the Bill Condon story, which I will bring up for sure. Amazing. Um, yeah, but yeah, this was a was a book, and then so then this movie, I was incredibly uh, interested in seeing how it turned out and it had a long development history because the like first announcement of the movie which i think happened around i forget when it would have been first announced but it would have been like hours far from heaven era julianne moore so i'm like right. fully in the tank for like julianne moore everything uh, obviously i still am but like waiting on bated breath with anything that is announced that she will be involved in. And this came out. And so of course I immediately had to read the book so that I would know. And yeah, Julianne Moore was attached to this for quite a long time. uh Um, I feel like Annette Benning didn't get cast until pretty late in the development process. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I feel like, this is one of those books where you could see where somebody uh, in Hollywood would have read this book and immediately been like, this is a movie. Because there's so much peculiarness to everything. Just the idea of this family, the Finch family, and all its many quirks. And then this very fraught relationship. I know I say fraught a lot. I apologize. Um, between... Uh, this, you know, boy and his mother, and obviously the Deirdre character is incredibly eccentric slash damaged slash Unwell. damaging. Right. Which mm-hmm. is like, seems like pretty much catnip. I, I, when we get into it, I'll talk about the fact that I think the gulf between what makes the book special and compelling and good and what makes what they went for in this movie, I think just in terms of like sheer conception, I think there was, there's a disconnect that really dooms the movie in that I think what is special about 
the book, to me at least, in my memory, and I didn't go and reread it, but I'm, I now I'm sort of fascinated to reread it. What was fascinating about the book to me was Augustine. It was mm-hmm. about how all of these circumstances in his life, the Finches, his mother, everything, how he processed that and he how he sort of, um, how all of that helped make him into uh, the person he was and helped him sort of like grow into himself and and realize things about himself. And to me, the thing about Augustine Burroughs and reading his memoirs is always um, his perspective is what's fascinating. Not always, mm-hmm. not always good, not always, you know, admirable, but fascinating, especially to me, as I said, um, being, being just sort of recently out and I didn't know gay people. Like, weirdly enough, like this was a very early experience sort of like seeing the world through the eyes of another gay person. And a very, very, con- very important. A contemporary gay person as well. Exactly. Exactly. So, and I think what the movie does is, and it's kind of surprising because Ryan Murphy, and we'll get into this uh, once we get past the plot description, Ryan Murphy brings a lot of his own self into this movie. And yeah. You would there's think there's that would... stuff that is, uh, that uh, diverges from the book that uh, apparently Ryan Murphy infused some of his own experiences into. But but it fits in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of Ryan Murphy's childhood that fits in with Augustine Burroughs's, or at least the version of Augustine Burroughs's childhood that he puts into his uh, memoir. Um, but I think what the disconnect is, is that the movie treats this story as a story about a mother with a uh, you know, issues and a really weird family mm-hmm. and puts this kind of um, like Augustine, the character is a narrator in this, but he's not, he's in many ways, not the main driver of what happens in the movie. Like he is an observer of so much of this movie and it's, you don't get into his character. And I think part of that is the limitations of doing a movie where if you do this story as a film, you're really limited by the fact that you have to funnel this all through a very young actor who mm-hmm. probably is, you know, as, and I don't think Joseph Cross is bad in this, but like it's, it's, it's tough to be a match to this material when you're that young of an actor. And I think the movie instead just decides to be about in the Finch family, really weird, isn't Deirdre, you know, doing the most. And to me, that robs the movie, the story of everything that makes it interesting. Mm -hmm. Because so much of what's interesting on the page in this memoir is his point of view and his kind of uh, very dry, acerbic, like, a perspective on everything that had previously happened to him. And, like, of course, that is, like exacerbated by history so it's like was he necessarily a teenager who viewed these things this way you don't know but like to kind of piggyback on what you're saying it's like it just makes him so uh just like a a vessel for all of these other people's story in the movie because he never really has much of a point of view um like in the story of the finches the only one who really like stands out as a character like as a real character is Natalie. Like that's mm-hmm. like to the point where I remember being very surprised that they cast Gwyneth Paltrow as Hope because it was like Hope is not really a character in the book. Like yeah, Hope is she there. was like the second person cast or something. 
Right. And this is, of course, the origin story of Ryan Murphy. Well, not really the origins, because the origin story goes back to popular, where like that show was obsessed with Gwyneth Paltrow as a uh, avatar of fame and glamour, right? But mm-hmm. like this was the first project he ever worked on with Gwyneth Paltrow, and obviously that relationship would continue throughout his further um, shows and projects. But um, all the way to uh, the Gwyneth resurgence of singing CeeLo Green on Glee. Well, right, yes, and also her being uh, the only good thing about the politician. Um, <laughs> she's so fantastic on that show, and the rest of that show does not deserve her. Um, maybe we'll get into that. There's a lot of Ryan Murphy to get into. We probably won't cover it all. Um, but yeah, I was surprised that like that they would cast such a major actress mm-hmm. as... Um, also, by the way, this is the weirdest Shakespearean love reunion I have ever uh, come across, is Gwyneth Paltrow and <laughs> Joseph Fiennes both being in this movie. Barely um, interacting in this movie, except for him to say, like, a horribly, uh, like, yeah, he's really aggressive, mean to gendered comments to her. Um, uh, but the, I think the fact that they cast the role of Hope with Gwyneth Paltrow is pretty emblematic of the problems with the movie, which is... It really thinks this movie is about the Finch family more than it is. I think it also has like this weird um, like sentimentality that's not not there right. in the book, especially towards the end. But it's a very uh, Ryan Murphy tonal imbalance that we will also get into. Yes, there's going to be a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of uh, sort of uh, big big box topics that we'll get into for sure do we want to sort of lay out the the basics and then we'll go into the plot description uh sure why not Let's okay do it all right so we are stuff. talking about the 2006 film running with scissors uh directed by ryan murphy written by ryan murphy based on the memoir by augustin burroughs starring annette benning joseph cross brian cox gwyneth paltrow evan rachel wood jill clayberg joseph fines alec baldwin gabrielle union and introducing Kristen chenoweth as uh herself i don't know um <laughs> as fern it's fern oh god fern fern the pastor's as wife secret- so, lesbian fern exactly aren't 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 all ferns secret lesbian fern okay uh premiered on october 27th 2006 there was a book when i was younger where the main character was named fern and now i can't remember uh where the red was. fern grows i never read the fern's that book. a character right the is i don't know i never read where the book. red fern grows maybe um an odd title for a for a book about a character named it's about um soviet plants (laughs) fascinating (laughs) it's about stalin's garden and (laughs) uh his secret passion for gardening and yes where the red fern grows well done uh christopher would you like to stop thinking about not uh, about uh communist gardens for one second yeah and uh and deliver a 60 second plot description Oh boy! Uh, sure, let's uh, let's do it. Let's do that. Let's let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's print. Let's yeah. let's go. Let's go. Let's 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 go. Let's 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 go. Let's let's go. Let's 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 go. Let's let's do it. Let's. All right. <laughs> All right, Catherine. Ready? Yes. All right. One minute for running with scissors starts now. 
All right, so we meet the teen Gaby, Augustine Burroughs. His mother is named Deirdre. She has a whole lot of mental health problems, and the, uh, her husband leaves her and Augustine and kind of abandons them. He's also an alcoholic. Anyway, her therapist, which is Dr. Finch, has this whole, like, crazy house, and he ends up treating her, uh, over-medicating her, blah, 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 blah. Eventually, he takes, um, he adopts Augustine, and uh, Deirdre decides she can no longer care for him, so he ends up in this very eccentric house of a lot of seconds. mentally well people um including uh uh hope as we aforementioned who uh ends up like cooking the cat um they also like dr finch thinks that god speaks to him through his shit um they uh he also enters into a uh abusive relationship with a, an older man in the family who uh sexually molests him and then eventually augustine's like you know what f this and moves to new york city F this indeed. Jill Clayburgh says bye bye to him at the train station. Okay, yes. Jill Clayburgh is. I like Jill Clayburgh in this movie. Even I do though too. It asks the most absurd stuff of her, and like that is maybe the character even more so than Hope. It kind of feels like that gets really expanded from the book yeah. into this whole other like. The movie becomes about like secondary mothers who take care of you. It feels um, like the movie really needs somebody to be kind to to Augustine. Yeah, and yeah. This was the character that they chose. This was one of those biographical details, though, from Ryan Murphy's life that uh, when I read, I read mm-hmm. that uh, New Yorker profile of him before we uh, recorded this. Reread that New Yorker profile um, about how his he was very close with his grandmother, and his grandmother was very into uh, Dark Shadows. And we see this one point where uh, Jill Clayburgh's character is watching Dark Shadows. I think we also get a lot of Ryan Murphy's father in the Alec Baldwin character in mm-hmm. this book, where. I feel I tr- correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that father was absent for the majority of the book. Yeah, I don't think it ever really revisits him, and that's because Augustine Burroughs wrote a whole other book about his father, who was uh, like a violent alcoholic, was very abusive. Um, right. So Ryan like, Murphy, that's a whole other. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan Murphy also had uh, an abusive father, I think. But I think the parts in this movie where uh, Alec Baldwin sort of looks at young Augustine and says, you know, I don't see any of myself in you. And sort and that is almost verbatim a quote from Ryan Murphy's father. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of dovetailing of their experiences. And I think one of the things that always not necessarily has me on Ryan Murphy's side, but like I always tend to give Ryan Murphy a lot of rope, which is his experiences were so formative to him. His experiences of being this sort of uh, very particular, very, you know, into fine things. And there's, uh, I, I want to avoid the term pathology, but there is a way that like gay kids are reared because they are hated by their parents in a lot of ways that like that forms their personality and forms a lot of sort of not bad personality habits, but like personality habits that are more um, that cause you to view the world as a hostile place. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of what Ryan Murphy comes from is he views the world as essentially a hostile place. And even when he's writing things that are more or less happy, 
they come across as sort of aggressively uh, manufactured or um, almost like so, so extreme that you can't quite trust it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I think his world... It should all manifest really interestingly at the end of the year when we get uh, Sunshiny Musical The Prom from him. Right. But that's but this and on, on the stuff with Glee too, where like Glee has this sort of like veneer of everyone's coming together, everyone's you know uh, expressing their individuality, and but you know, in everybody a hard sort of, world or like right. a very harsh, a very harsh world, a very a world where like you know I don't know his, and I think this is a thing that has somewhat softened in him as his career has gone on i think also it it has he's allowed his collaborators to sort of help him mold this worldview i think all of his collaborations with janet mock recently have become a lot more sort of hopeful i think a lot of people got down on hollywood last year for being or maybe it was this year who knows what years are anymore um for being so unrealistically sunny side about this kind of alternate path for Hollywood to have taken and to have become more inclusive. Mm -hmm. But I think that kind of stuff, it fits in with the shows that he's uh, collaborated with Janet mock on recently where um, pose is sort of like this too, where it's like, takes this sort of horrible circumstance and finds this defiant, uh, hopeful path them anyway mm-hmm. i'm getting far 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 away from our central <laughs> subject i want to talk about i want to start with augustin burroughs and you had said before we'd started recording i was sort of i didn't quite know this um about you that you were very into his memoirs and his writings again uh, all caps time. at the time sure uh, well we'll go into this though talk about this okay so the thing about augustin burroughs he has like a lot of books and like the other really famous one besides this one and i guess the really successful one is dry which right. charts his um drug and alcohol abuse struggles um and his like journey to sobriety uh this i mean like i probably read this book at least twice i was really into it not just yeah. because i was coming to it as a julianne moore fan um right. expecting her to play this role but this is also the era of memoir that uh, its veracity comes into question. Right. Obviously, this... James Frey being the huge example of this. I remember after the James Frey uh, controversy happened, he was the author of A Million Little Pieces. He went mm-hmm. on Oprah. It turns out he fabricated a lot of that story. Oprah got very embarrassed and then like called him back on her show to essentially scold him for an hour. And it was really something mm-hmm. um and uh, by that point i think augustine bros had already published both running with scissors and dry but i remember reading somewhere i must have been i can't remember whether because there wasn't twitter at the time but um somebody who was just like wow after this whole a million little pieces thing augustine burroughs is being suspiciously quiet about everything and but he did kind of emerge from it unscathed like he's yes. published many books since then including the one about um his father but the, he was actually sued by the real life family and he had already changed their names and such but apparently like locals knew that they were he was talking about them um yeah. and the terms that which they settled because both uh Sony Pictures and the publishing company uh 
settled with this family. Yeah. Um, it didn't really rescind anything that he claims in the book, right. um, other than to acknowledge that they feel like they had a different experience. Um, yeah. So it's like he has kind of emerged unscathed from this, but like part of the whole selling point of this book is some of the outrageous details that he said happened to him. Um, yes. While living in this household, like it's the whole selling point of the book that like we can't believe that it's true. Um, well, so maybe yes. that's part of it. Like that was part of the appeal for us is that like we were already like questioning this and he was sticking by it. I think, I mean, and this goes into issues that are probably well above my uh, my level in terms to talk about, in terms of the literary industry. But I think the thing with A Million Little Pieces that felt so, um, almost da- not quite dangerous, but like uh, particularly villainous was it was talking about uh, drug and alcohol recovery mm-hmm. in a very specific sort of prescriptive way. That like if you that are was fabricated, and if the, you're fabricating this, then you could be doing active harm to people who are mm-hmm. trying to begin to recovery. And I know that like Dry was, as you said, about his experiences with drug and alcohol abuse, but it wasn't like um, I got out of it, and here's how you can too, kind of mm-hmm. a thing. That I think was a little bit of the angle, and certainly was the angle that like Oprah promoted. A million little pieces, a million little. What is it? It's a million little pieces, right? I yeah, get that confused yeah, with the title yeah. of the ABC show that I think is called A Million Little Things that I've never seen. Um, and I think around this time also, generally, was the JT Leroy thing, yeah, which also was a fabrication, but that also felt like an ongoing uh, thing where we were sort of being literally like sold this fabricated person as a yeah that celebrity. was performance you know? whereas i feel like with augustine burroughs's memoirs and i think maybe this is why it was never sort of like hauled out in front of the court of public opinion at any point which is you could just call these novels and they would lose none of their impact to me i get what you're saying about like a selling point mm-hmm. that like uh, this you know i this can't is believe why this, this was a, a popular story. book because of the excessiveness of it of the outlandishness of it yeah but i do feel like i don't think it loses any of its potency like i watch a movie like running with scissors and i don't ever have the sense that any of this actually literally happened it feels very very fictional to me and i think if you if you know i think the fact that running with scissors was sold as a memoir i think you're right in terms of like there's a hook to it, but I don't think the substance of it or the enjoyment of it changes much. I don't, if it, it would be different if like Augustine Burroughs had like then like gotten, um, I don't know, like money from people feeling bad for, you know what I mean? For, for right. the way he grew up or something like that, or had had some sort of like fraudulent charity or something like that. Like, I think ultimately the line between memoir and fiction to me feels so fundamentally blurrable anyway that I don't think I would have cared as much. I think, I don't know. Anyway, I think to me, a novelist can put so much of their own life and experiences into a story anyway, and it can be autobiographical with, while still being fictional Mm -hmm. that, that, it might as well be that's how I interpret 
Augustine Burroughs' work, right? Because here's the thing is the choices because he's written so many books, like every time every time I look at the list of books that he's written and that they're all memoirs, or at least most of them are memoirs, I'm like, well, now you're into like nine or ten books, right? Nine or ten memoirs at this point. So the choices are either you are a quasi-fabulist and are sort of like, you know, <laughs> making up a lot of this up. Or you are legitimately the most interesting person who has ever lived, whose every waking moment something fantastical is happening to and just like right. wildly interesting. It becomes more about how have you survived and then that takes on its own. And it's and it's just like I can't believe all of these things keep happening to you that you now must like must write another memoir because like, well, once again, all of the craziest things have happened to me. Or that you are the kind of person who lives your life as if you are uh, writing the novel of your life as you live it, mm-hmm. where, which I sort of just uh, compare to um, a Real Housewife, who like people talk about those shows as being scripted, and I always have to be like, it's not that they're scripted; it's that these women have been conditioned to live their lives like they're on a primetime soap opera, and that's just their lives. That's just mm-hmm. how they behave now. They behave like characters that they are writing as they as they go about their lives. Their and brains I do feel are like, rehardwired to yes. always be producing. And I do feel like if I if you met. Augustine Burroughs in real life, that would probably be closer to the truth than it is far away from it. And <laughs> Noted real housewife of literature, Augustine Burroughs is what Kind of. And, and it's just, and I, I remember, because I think I read Running with Scissors and I read Dry and I think I read maybe the one that came after that and then maybe Like stopped. when he pivoted more towards just like essay books. Right. And I do in feel the like there, Spain. there was a point in Dry, there is a Sedaris uh, comparison to be made for sure um but i think much as i loved dry and was sort of riveted by it that's another one i think i would like to go back and read again i remember feeling like as i was reading it i was like this is fascinating i don't think i would ever want to know augustine burroughs in real life just because he seemed like somebody again who was like always who would you know was living his life so that he could write his next memoir and there was something caustic and harmful about him and the way he treated other people mm-hmm. as supporting players in his own life, which also kind of is how I feel about Ryan Murphy. Not that Ryan Murphy writes about his own life so much, but like that. Um, That's how he treats his characters. Is yeah. And like, yes, yes. And I mean, all of these people he works with, Ryan Murphy, he works with again and again and again. So like, I can't exactly imagine that he's a horrible person to work with or else why yeah. would these people keep working with him well he and almost yet, worked with annette benning again because they almost did the oh, uh katrina series yeah. you know it's funny because i was making my notes and i was like annette benning never worked with ryan murphy again and i wonder about that but you are you have corrected me yeah it's very true so where do you come down now when you look back on all the uh, augustine burroughs that you've read where how do you feel like you talk about, you know, things look differently from this perspective. I think it's certainly complicated. I mean, it's not like a book I would pick up now because it just doesn't feel, I mean, new anymore. Not to, right. like, be mean about it. But right. also, like, there is a certain complication. Like, his mother got some publicity, especially around the time of the movie, of, like, having her point of view of saying, I've, I don't think she ever, like, 
said any specific things were lies, if I remember correctly, but she definitely felt treated unfairly, and they still remained estranged, and, like, one of the sticking points, I guess, for the family and his mother was that he changed his name. Um, shocker right. that Augustine Burroughs is not someone's birth right. name. Right. Um, but, like, I don't know. To me, I guess that's a little bit of, like, gay liberation. You Like, if you yeah. feel freed from a, a As toxic, gay people, uh, we get to choose the names that we live with. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, like, the lawsuit didn't uh, there's not contentiousness for like the actual wrongdoing that was done. It just seems like it was more about like God is speaking to me in my poop. We live in a house that is uh, <laughs> falling apart and a mess, and we keep a Christmas tree up because we won't take it down. It seemed more about that and not like you have accused us of complicity in child sex abuse towards you. Right. It right. wasn't about that. So. I, I guess the like substantive. I don't uh, how. I mean, like, how do I phrase this? The like things that were clear wrongdoing didn't seem to come into question in this. Otherwise, like, right. if he claims that he was abused sexually as a child by a member of this family and there was complicity elsewhere, like that, that seems like the type of thing that could be libelous. Um, well, and if but the was, interesting thing about that, though. Is and maybe I'm speaking of memoirs, maybe I'm remembering things not quite exactly correctly. But I feel like in reading the book, that relationship is drawn far more, um, not necessarily complicated, but I think the, the Augustine narrator in that book, um, envisions that relationship or remembers that relationship with him having a lot more power and a lot more um he's very cruel he's very mm-hmm. sort of like gets takes a lot of pleasure in his cruelty towards neil and how he can sort of uh, manipulate him and um because he's also he's a schizophrenic him. right and so which doesn't take away any of the uh sort of legal ramifications of a relationship between a 30 something and a 13 14 year old boy um but it Definitely, I do wonder if Augustine, the writer, even with all that like later perspective, because you know how when you read that Joel Schumacher profile uh, in New York Magazine a cup from a year or so ago before mm-hmm. he died, where he would talk about all the relationships that he had as a young teenager with older men and how he would never, he would refuse to sort of characterize that as abuse or um, anything sort of criminal. Mm-hmm. And I that reminded me a lot of the way that Augustine described his relationship with Neil in Running with Scissors, where I don't think I think the movie is a lot more explicit about um, framing that relationship as like capital B bad. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's also one of the, like, story elements of the movie that, like, it's never... The movie's never going to be able to achieve what the book can achieve because it's different when you're actually watching that depicted on screen rather than filtered through the voice of someone who experienced it, right? And the same is true for, like, some of the other things, like Hope Cooking a Cat, which I forget is in the book or not, but, like, definitely I'm pretty sure she kills that cat in the book. Yeah. Um... And just, like, the general mess of that home, it's, like, it's it 
the the movie has has a hard time striking the balance between like okay we know that like this is traumatic but like how can we make it funny um and then it like swings into sentimentality in a way that like the book is written from a very clear voice and point of view and perspective Um, right i think the humor in the book comes from again you're so burrowed so deep into augustine's voice and his perspective on everything and the movie perhaps like i don't know if the best version of this movie can ever quite get there but like this one i think murphy really struggles with tone in this movie you mentioned it goes from like unconvincing comedy to uh sort of limited drama and Mm -hmm. Uh, it never it never does either very well, but the balancing of it is also bad. Right, and I think you lose a lot of characters. I think you you as I said, you lose a lot of Augustine's character. You lose a lot of the Natalie character, who I remember being so um, close to in that book. And aside from a couple of scenes where Evan Rachel Wood sort of gets to emote, um, I don't quite get that in this. And mm-hmm. again, this book is or this movie is so fascinated with the Deirdre character in a way that the I mean Augustine in the book is of course like so much of the book is about his relationship with his mother but it's again so much more about him than it is about her and the yeah movie- this is way more compassionate to the mother than the book I think ever is um and I think that's kind of largely true to most of these characters, even like Dr. Finch, who is like manipulating these people and like not, right. uh, you know, he takes their money, such as that. Um, uh, some of that is like, I feel like Ryan Murphy can't help the fact of indulging the fact that he cast uniformly likable actors in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's a, it's really confusing because there are parts of the movie that it feels like it's working and some of that is that everybody in the movie is so likable and they're like yeah. people you like to see even down to um like Gabrielle Union showing up for a few scenes as the angry uh like lover to Deirdre in like yep. the third act of the movie even though it's like they're 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 towing the line with being a, a racist here um but like it, you're happy to see gabby union in a movie um totally. yeah, kristen chenoweth as we mentioned gwyneth paltrow has a uh, boat derrick braids at one point she sure does that what okay the cut to her with the braids when because that comes in a scene where he's really struggling to to he wants to be a hairstylist and he's struggling with uh joseph fines hair and it doesn't very look right. period hairstyles he puts uh evan rachel wood in a near like beehive i don't know it, what you would call it you cut to evan rachel wood and it very much is that um that still of bart simpson with the with the uh, hairspray wig dancing around in that simpsons episode with john waters and then this smash cut because you don't know that gwyneth is in the room during the scene it really seems like it's just the three uh other characters and then you smash cut to gwyneth paltrow at the stove cooking the cat although you don't know that yet in these like amy poehler and spring breakers braids and it's so like it, that's incredibly funny to me. There are a couple of sort of things where like the, there are edits in this movie that are very funny to me. But, that like, that are funny, between. yes. But yeah. like that scene in particular is like the prototype for everything that's a problem with this movie. Um, in that like it can be funny, sometimes inappropriately funny, and then like you have the weird like toxicity towards 
women that like Joseph Fiennes is spouting, and then it becomes incredibly aggressively serious when it's revealed that she is currently cooking their long dead cat. Right. Um and feeds yeah. it to her sister. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um I all right, so I want to get into the Ryan Murphy thing though, because this is his first feature film. This is, comes I think I'm pretty sure Nip Tuck is still a going concern at this point. I think he left Nip Tuck to do this movie. But then the show he left was still after on. like the third season or the second season, but it was still yeah. it still ran for way too long. That Carver storyline withers on the vine when he's yeah. gone. They cast uh God the the two they people moved they got to, to LA eventually. Right. There was an LA season. I think that was the season. There's I a didn't whole season watch. with Sanaa Lathan, and she was great on that season and the only yeah. reason to watch it. Yeah, Nip Tuck was very much uh, early Ryan Murphy in terms of like uh, stretching out his uh, stunt casting limbs. I know Jill Clayburgh, speaking of Jill Clayburgh, she shows up on uh, Nip Tuck in the early seasons at least once or twice. Um, he brought back a lot of his popular um, cast members to, I feel like Leslie Bibb might have been the first victim of the Carver or one of the early victims of the Carver. Mm-hmm. The Carver being this ongoing storyline in Nip Tuck that was super scary and for a while very It was effective. genuinely scary. <laughs> Um, he did that whole thing where he stunt cast Joan Rivers as herself. As herself. Uh, Alec Baldwin was in the second season of finale, finale of Nip Tuck, playing a plastic surgeon in a part of a very problematic storyline with Famke Jensen as a uh, trans woman, and mm-hmm. that was as sort an of, evil trans woman at that. Yeah, yeah. It, that, that that is the thing that most will prevent anybody from rewatching Nip Tuck with any degree of uh, uh, comfort or um, yeah. Yeah. But um, so at this point, Murphy's on Nip Tuck. He gets this movie, it largely fails, and he doesn't get another movie to do. Well, Eat, Pray, Love is how long after this? Three years? After Almost this? a decade, I think. Um, Eat, Pray, no. Love. Well, no. Uh, maybe it was like, hold on, I'll look it up. Yeah. I want to say it's 2009, but I'm willing to be wrong. It might be 2010 or 11. Anyway. No, I think it was 2010. Okay. Um, so another four years after this, but he mostly, um, it's, uh, after Running With Scissors and, and after, um, Nip Tuck, there's a little bit of a break and then really it's Glee in 2000, I think Glee's the one in 2009, um, that reestablishes him as something major. He had won a Golden Globe for Nip Tuck, but it still felt like he was like super niche and like Glee happens and it has this amazing to me mainstream crossover and all of a sudden he's almost immediately a brand unto himself and then the next year or two years later comes american horror story and that one is to me i think american horror story i know a lot of people have a lot of opinions on that I think it's incredibly underrated when it comes to its impact on television, and I think in oh, absolutely, because it had the we kind of forget that the first season was a we didn't really know what it was. It had this like fetishistic marketing campaign and like subplots to it, but we didn't know that it would be a limited series. So once that finale happened, and they were like, "Nope, that's it. We are this was a self-contained thing. We are going to be doing." Uh, yep. different ideas every season. The fact that he ushered in the era of the limited series is 
I think cannot be underestimated. It really opened up television to a whole lot of other types of storytelling. I think also that American Horror Story in conjunction with The Walking Dead really opened up the kinds of genres that uh, network and major mm-hmm. cable networks would uh, be able to tackle, I, I think, in terms of content and character types and character identities and all this sort of stuff was very much uh, that world was opened up through the success of American Horror Story. But I feel like just in terms of the way he he really kind of cracked the code on this idea of because you watch a television show, especially a longer running television show, and one of the problems they run into often is that characters stick around long past their usefulness and um, shows become sort of too enamored with their what they are they don't change enough they don't progress enough and a lot of it to me on a very human level makes sense because you have these working relationships that you want to continue you enjoy working with these people and you want to keep them on so you don't want to kill their characters off because you enjoy working with them and i think the the way that American Horror Story found a work around that is every season is a season and then we start over with a whole new story the next time. So you can keep working with these people you love to work with, your Sarah Paulsons and Evan Peterses and Jessica Langs and all these people. Mm-hmm. And you can still like kill them off at the end of a season. If you're doing a show about horror, it would be incredibly realistic to have a show about horror where you don't kill off any of your major characters. So um I don't know. It's there's there's credit that is due to him for what television was able to sort of flourish into through the last decade that I don't think he gets because American Horror Story's reputation is the outrageousness and the goriness and, you know, the campiness. And I think because it is a show that is largely anchored by actresses, I think Mm – People give him credit for giving roles to these, you know, we talk about the term like actress of a certain age or whatever. You're Jessica Langs and Kathy Bates and, and uh, you know. Actresses that are not getting uh, roles of their caliber. Right. under This underserved demographic of actresses. Angela Bassett has gotten some great work with Ryan Murphy stuff. He's, uh, I think Kathy he's Bates. rightly... He's rightly complimented for that. But I think that also allows people to... Uh, when talking about television as an ecosystem, sort of like put him and his shows into a box of mm-hmm. um, queer stuff, lady stuff, you know, and it's easy to not give it its due. And the other side of that coin is because the, I mean, he also doesn't get enough credit for how many out gay actors he casts in his projects. We always sort of bitch about um, gay characters being played by straight people and not enough uh, out gay um actors in Hollywood he casts he kind of aggressively casts for out gay performers and i think the uh the gay television watching community the sort of like vocal um uh amateur tastemakers among us oh my god can be pretty vicious and can be pretty um difficult to please when stuff seems targeted to them and when i say them i mean us I mean me. Um, I don't exempt myself from this in many ways. But I think sometimes when things seem targeted to us, we, I don't know, there's almost like a distrust to it. Am I wrong? Am I up a creek? Am I self-pathologizing too much? Um, I think some of that is true. I think some of it is also um, 
uh, a certain degree of like who he though he does cast out gay actors he casts the very like mainstream gay out actors very right? fair very um, fair which like it, though uh, he perhaps i i'm reticent to give him, i mean like yes that is something that should be credited but also like you're also talking about actors that probably would still otherwise be working um to me at least sure I don't know. I am not. You are a bigger fan of Ryan Murphy's TV output than I am. I think sometimes there is a questionable level of taste. Oh, I would there. never deny that. I would absolutely um, never deny that. I mean, that. it's absolutely true in the movie that there is a questionable level of taste. Um, Nina Garcia would have a field day questioning the taste level of this <laughs> and most Ryan Murphy projects. I would never deny that. Smash cut to a I question your taste level supercut from Nina you'll, Garcia. You won't get that that sound drop in this episode, I will tell you right now, because YouTube has a shameful dearth of uh, Project Runway clips available. And I don't know whose fault that is, but it's uh, get your act together, internet. I'm going to anyway. make you hop on over to Daily Motion. Why um, can't I find a clip of Nina Garcia saying it's aesthetically not pleasing? It's, it's aesthetically it's, not pleasing. I need it in my life. Anyway. I question your taste level. Yeah. I'm confused. That's my favorite Nina Garcia is just like, I'm confused. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. No, you're you're totally not wrong. Ryan Murphy never cast Nina Garcia. Also that. Um, No, his projects vary wildly from from show to show or from season to season in terms of taste level. And And I think the best shows that he is associated to often have more um, looser association to him in fact, like, Pose is not really his show. I mean, like, he directed the pilot, he's a producer on the show, but, like, everything that works about that show is not, like, him writing it. Um, I think that is true. All right, I I, I will let you, you know, continue. I think a, an important caveat to that, though, is I think we um, ascribe a lot of his successful shows to his collaborators when we like them. And I think we don't when we don't. Cause I, a very recent example is ratchet where, uh, and I reviewed it and I put a lot of it on Ryan Murphy. So like, again, I am not exempt from this. Um, but that is as much his show as pose is his show, but which the is, shows of his that are associated to uh, like the ones that people are like, this is bad are usually, Porte's level um, like go it they're on one and they need to like calm down and those are like traits that we associate with Ryan Murphy so I don't really know how to reconcile that I agree where it's like if something does feel like it is approached thoughtfully and uh, with a certain level of um, I mean I don't want to keep saying taste but like I think it if you look at feel like it leans into just extremity for extremity's sake, things like perhaps uh, people versus OJ too, like people versus OJ and the assassinated assassination of Gianni Versace, which I think in many ways are two of his very best uh, mm-hmm. shows, are have the benefit of they both had very strong. Um, writer voices on those but also they had a beginning middle and end story from the fact that they were true stories mm-hmm. that really 
benefited the structure of those shows. And I think structure is all often a really big problem for Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't, I, I don't deny that. Like I genuinely don't deny that. I just feel like, um, I do feel like he gets more, uh, hatred for lack of a better term within, uh, the community than probably mm-hmm. he should. He does show restraint sometimes. Like, I don't want to talk about Eat, Pray, Love too much because we can do an episode on Eat, Pray, Love at some time. But, like, I do think, like, (laughs) premise aside, I think that's a movie that largely works. I've never seen it, so I'm I'm sort of eager for us to do it. And then he also did The Normal Heart for HBO. That is his other sort of major film. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is, again... I think it's one of those things where the fact of him doing that project was almost the the greatest sin of all because so many people revere that play by Larry mm-hmm. Kramer and uh the idea of somebody who is seen as crass and as sort of um a gauche almost as yeah. Ryan Murphy felt like an insult and yet I think the normal heart comes off pretty well. By all telling, uh, unless anyone can contradict me, uh, Larry Kramer had a good relationship with Ryan Murphy, so that's probably, you know, the... He does seem to have very good relationships with both collaborators and actors. I feel like by now we we would have gotten some interview with some sort of embittered former cast member talking about him, if uh, even though he's incredibly powerful. But I still feel like we would have gotten some you know, whatever, these Ellen rumors about how, like... Yeah, the rumor mill is not running around Ryan Murphy. No, no, it's not. And you would think by now that if, you know, there was, you know, stories to be told, that at least some stories would have been told. But uh, There's a certain level of, like, giving his actors something to do. Like, even Running With Scissors has a certain level of intensity to it that, like, you can imagine like Ryan Murphy actors having an incredible experience on set. But then when you assemble the footage, it's like, what yeah. is this like tactless wild swings of tone uh, assemblage? You know, there are also moments where he reminds me of, he makes me think that he's like the gay Quentin Tarantino. And it's not quite exactly that. Like I think Tarantino is a much more, um, accomplished and skillful uh, maker of films. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the fact that like Quentin Tarantino's works are always kind of a hodgepodge of his influences. And he, you know, takes on these, you know, actor projects because he loves them from such and such that they did. And he puts them in his movies and he's incredibly indulgent stylistically. And, you know, again, wears his influences on his sleeve. And I think you get a lot of that with Ryan Murphy in terms of, the way that he is just like, well, I loved this, you know, I loved um, whatever happened to baby Jane when I was younger and I was obsessed with it. So now I will make the season finale of popular, the show about high school kids into a full on black and white homage to whatever happened to baby Jane, or, you know, I will turn my tabloid obsession with Gwyneth Paltrow into like a years long, uh, professional obsession turned into professional relationship and um it's it's sort of fascinating to watch him on that level and this sort of assemblage of he he's he's very much reminds me of a lot of queer people that i know who are sort of you know older and have amassed this like lifetime of 
being enmeshed in this queer culture that was what they had to, you know, to identify with and to mm-hmm. hold on to. And now we're in this age where, you know, these we can turn these things into projects and films that will be seen by the mainstream. And I think sometimes there's a little bit of knee-jerk um, thing where we don't want the world to see the kinds of things that Ryan Murphy is putting out into the world because it feels very... Um, like uh, intra community, um, like you know, I don't want the straight people looking at this shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of, right? This does not stand for us. We are. We cannot be. This cannot be the one gay thing that straight people experience. I think there's a. I think there's a really interesting conversation that is always had between we resent things that feel too heteronormative, gay things that feel too heteronormative. And yet, I think some then things that become very much like inward of... looking feel uh, gaudy. Well, but there is a lot of like pressure still uh, in terms of like what straight people are consuming in terms of gay narratives, right? So, like, a we don't want it to be something that is offensive that like doesn't stand for us, but we also don't want it to be bad, <laughs> like right. I, I think that's uh, that's still, fortunately, a worthy, you know. I, I think. Listen, I'm anger. not. I I feel I I feel like what you're looking at as my enjoyment of Ryan Murphy things is just like, well, Joe likes bad things. Like Joe no, doesn't no, no, have no, any no, taste. No. But I uh, that's not at all what I think because you you are very smart. Uh, yeah, 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 you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I do think there's a certain uh, element of melodrama that Ryan Murphy leans into and he misunderstands even some of his own influences as like melodrama and character as he misunderstands them as just loud. Um, <laughs> like this movie, like a lot of the scenes I'm like, these actors are good, but this movie is just so damn loud and it kind yeah. of doesn't allow for the actual humanity of these people to come through. It's also just not a pleasant experience to watch. I no. don't think. It's not fun. It's not like there's no there's no moments of sort of like joy or levity or even like like melancholy in a way that I would find I'm not um, sure it's usefully painful in a way that some movies can be. Right. Um I just don't enjoy the experience of watching it. Again, my Nina Garcia coming through. It's just like it's aesthetically not pleasing. It's, aesthetically it's like not pleasing. it's also narratively not pleasing. I just don't enjoy. It. And it, and I remember very much and I remember feeling that way about the movie even back then, and that was much closer on the heels to me very much enjoying the experience of reading Running with Scissors even when it was about not enjoyable things. Like it was a right. very satisfying relation uh, 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 experience watching or reading that book and the movie is just not that fundamentally. I've been avoiding the question all episode for you. Uh-oh. I think it's time to ask you that question. Uh-oh. What do you think about Annette Benning in this movie? Oh, all right. I'm glad we're getting into the Annette Benning of it. I think she's great i don't know if i would say great but i think she's the best performance in the movie by a good measure and i get why she would want to take this role and i do feel like she gets the most out of it i think she approaches the closest thing the movie has to like genuine humanity um 
And I think, like, there's even times where she strikes the balance of comedy and tragedy of this way better than anything else um, that's, like, on screen. Where, like, she can just be really dryly funny, but also just, like, you know, it's still truthful to the psychosis that Deirdre is going through. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, There are certain times where... um, her styling is sort of asked to communicate things for her. I always feel like I laughed. I remember laughing originally at this moment and again, watching it again, the moment where you realize that like, Oh, she's so far gone. And it's because she has a mullet haircut. And it's yeah. like, and you're just like, no, oh, it's well. like the movie has a very clear time of when the mullet took over because Deirdre gets a mullet and Dr. Finch gets a mullet at the same time. <laughs> Um, yeah, this movie tells a very interesting series of hair stories. Um, yeah, I think she's I think she's good in this movie. I don't know if I would uh, take it take a moment to you know put her up for awards. She was nominated for a Golden Globe for this for Best Actress in Musical or Comedy. Um, but yeah, I think she's she's more than solid in here. I don't think she has anything to be ashamed of. The, that Globes comedy lineup is fun. It's a good one. So this is 2006. I'm going to uh, bring it up as we discuss. This was the year that Meryl Streep won for The Devil Wears Prada. She gives a very good speech about... Um, this is the one where she's like, if you want to see these movies, you have to demand them mm-hmm. of your of your movie theaters, right? Where you have to go to the manager. She's <laughs> artist. Her. I know going to the manager <laughs> has Meryl's become a very Karen fraught... Speech. Yeah, because it has become a very fraught uh, uh, topic these days. But in this way, she was harnessing it for good, where she was essentially being like, if you're not seeing uh, what what was essentially smaller movies starring women, what she was mm-hmm. talking about. Um, I remember she like shouted out Sherry Baby that year. Maggie Gyllenhaal was nominated in the drama category for Sherry Baby. Um, we know it was sort that of Meryl akin to her Iron Lady speech, right? Where she's, where she's talking about Pariah and, mm-hmm. uh, and Jane Eyre, where she's has sort of taken the lay of the land of the movie landscape. And I think this was pre-Iron Man, but it was still a point where, you know, blockbusters were already really taking over the multiplexes, mm-hmm. and Let's not The Devil Wears Prada Devil was Prada, a hit. Right. But opened against Superman. Right. Ah, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there was a sense of, there was a struggle to get audiences to want to, especially male audiences, to want to see a movie uh, well, and like, like it opened against this. I re- explicitly remember that open opening weekend where it's like you have critics calling Superman Returns like the champagne of superhero movies. Which <laughs> okay, it's burned. Is it? The champagne was obviously frozen in the bottle at some point. Go, yeah. go to your masturbatorium, sir. <laughs> Um, and Devil Wears Prada was like, oh, and there's also this thing opening for women, like, right, turning their nose down at the movie before they even see it. Talking about the line between memoir and fiction, where this, uh, the Devil Devil Wears Wears Prada Prada. was showing the benefits of the fact that, like, oh, we'll just call it a Romana Clef, like, it's fine, and, um, it's, you know, it's fictional, but it's obviously very much, um... Anna Wintour shows up to the premiere of the movie decked head to toe in Prada. (laughs) Uh, So Meryl wins 
for The Devil Wears Prada, a very deserving win, would go on to an Oscar nomination. We definitely talked about this category before because also nominated this year was Renee Zellweger for Miss Potter, the incredibly memorable and uh, definitive role of Beatrix Potter in Miss Potter. <laughs> also nominated Annette Bening for Running with Scissors, my beloved Tony Collette giving a very uh, great but non-spotlighted performance in Little Miss Sunshine. And uh, an actress whose name is Beyonce Knowles in The one and only Beyonce. It's so, I will never get over talking about the differences in the way that the culture talked about Beyonce in 2006 versus the way that we talk about Mm -hmm. Beyonce now and for the last decade. She's so good in that movie. She was, she got no respect for that. She was absolutely everything. great. She was compared negatively to Jennifer Hudson constantly. Uh, people talked about how she was the weak point of the movie. Which and is stupid. And it wasn't for another probably four or so years. Whenever, um, f- I feel like four was almost the turning point for Beyonce. When all of a sudden every, everybody started to just be like, you need to shut the fuck up with your, <laughs> with your complaints yeah. about Beyonce. Because she is absolutely untouchably flawless and nobody can say a word against her and it's i think probably being in the movie awardsy sort of sphere uh the that probably was the sphere that held the lowest opinion of beyonce at the time both because she was breaking into movies and it wasn't going great up until this was shortly after the oscar ceremony where like it they didn't let any of the performers of the song, original performers of the song, sing. It was the and next they year. Had Beyonce. Yeah, she sang the song from the Phantom of the Opera. She sang the song from the chorus, the choir. What did they call yeah, that? Yeah, the movie? French song that was terrible. And then I can't remember what the third one was. Shit. Uh, it was me. Believe or When You some some dumb thing was, about believing from Polar Express. Polar Express, right? Thank you. Um, that she did. She do a duet with Josh Groban at the yes, Oscars. Yes. Right. Okay. Wild. So yeah, a very interesting actress in a musical or comedy. I feel like the right performance won. I feel like history oh, judges sure, sure, that sure, correctly. Sure, sure, sure. But she's the Meryl's the only one from that category who goes on to an Oscar nomination. I feel like Benning was sort of talked about on the outskirts of that. Best Actress conversation for a while. This is like a quintessential The Globes uh, reflecting what the early conversation was in the year, Mm -hmm. because by this point, like, Running With Scissors had bombed. It was kind of like a whiff of a release. So, like, once the actual, like, like the heat of Oscar season was happening. Like people had forgotten about the movie. This is also one of those all time great to me, at least best actress categories where it's, I know not everybody likes Helen Mirren in the queen. I think she's, uh, I don't, care I think she's it. very good. I don't know if I would have given her the Oscar, but I think she's very good. Um, Meryl, she's my and, least favorite of that Oscar lineup. Probably for me By too, but wide I wide margin. Probably, I don't. I think it's probably less of a wide margin for me. But yeah, she's she's the least of those. Fine. Um, Meryl and Devil Wears Prada, 
Penelope Cruz and Volver, who finally, you know, that she's finally clawed her way back from that disastrous uh, introduction to American audiences that she did with uh, All the Pretty Horses and Vanilla Sky and that whole sort of moment. She's back now. She's with Almodovar. She's, you know, the mountain has come to Mohammed and we have decided that, you know, we're not we're not going to require Penelope Cruz to be an American movie star. We're going to let her be a movie star in her own sphere. And that a is a global great. star. Uh, Judy Dench in Notes on a Scandal, flawless, probably my winner, probably who I would have voted for to win. Someone has died. She's so good. And then Camp excellence. Kate Winslet in the movie that at the time not a soul saw Little Children. Little Children barely it opened. Had like the shittiest anywhere. release. And like I still maybe think that that is her best performance or like tied for her best performance, possibly. She's so good in that movie. That She's movie deserves better movie. too. Yeah, that's one I've I've been looking to rewatch for a while, uh, mostly just because it's. I mean, the, that sort of Todd Field double of in the bedroom and Little Children, and I remember I rewatched in the bedroom semi recently and was enthralled by it, probably Incredible. even more so than I was the first time, and. I'm eager to see if that experience replicates. Speaking of little children, Patrick Wilson shows up for a little cameo in Running with Scissors as a Indeed. Uh, law legal person, perhaps social worker. I can't remember exactly. Uh, uh, no, IRS guy, right? He's looking for tax money. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Wilson, also known as uh, Mr. Dagmar Dominchik, who shows up in this Who movie. shows up in this movie, indeed, as uh, Alec Baldwin's new girlfriend slash fiance. Yes. Yeah, this is a very, as most Ryan Murphy projects are, this is a very well-cast endeavor, for sure. Oh, did we want to, can we talk about Plan B Entertainment for a second? Yeah, Plan B, we like them. They usually produce uh, good stuff. So this is the production company that was formed by Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston and Brad Gray in 2001, when Brad and Jennifer were still a thing. Um, They divorced in 2005 and brad gray and brad pitt sort of stayed on brad gray eventually left for paramount but anyway um this was sort of the early early days i think this was maybe their second or third year as a uh, of producing films their first film ever produced speaking of brian cox was troy uh the brad pitt in short skirts action Mm -hmm. adventure (laughs) troy with uh rose byrne Rose Byrne, um, Peter O'Toole's in that movie, Eric Bana's in that movie. It's a whole thing. Diane Kruger. Has yes. Diane Kruger like talk shit about that movie? Probably. Which is awesome. I don't think it serves her very well, so yeah. No, she's like, they just wanted me to be pretty, and I wanted more than that. Good for you. Their second movie, weirdly enough, is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> the Tim Burton Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which is... I'm sorry, what? Yes. Yes. First film, Troy. Second film, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Then they follow that up in 2006 with Running with Scissors and also a little film called The Departed that goes and wins the Best Picture Oscar. Their first of three Best Picture wins in their uh, short yet uh, successful lifespan. One of which has uh, won uh, Best Picture Oscar for Brad Pitt specifically. He was... uh, producer on 12 years a slave whatever whatever the uh, gymnastics that it takes to name producers on a film why he you know has an oscar for 12 years a slave but not 
either The Departed or Moonlight, which are the two other Plan B um, films that have one Best Picture. I don't know. I don't know. They were there's there's it's uh, they keep changing the rules on the amount of people that can like be considered producing a movie. It's three because right? he's one of five listed people for Twelve Years a Slave. That's interesting. I feel like this. I think Plan B these days is it's Pitt obviously still, and then Dee Dee Gardner and uh, Jeremy Kleiner, who I feel like were the uh, producers who won when Moonlight won. Mm-hmm. I remember Dee Dee Gardner being up there. It's an incredibly successful run of movies, though, and it's an incredibly uh, eclectic collection of kinds of films where there's these big sort of auteurist things. They've had uh, The Tree of Life and Moneyball and Selma and uh, uh, Vice, which I know we didn't like Vice, but whatever. Obviously, last year they had Ad Astra, but also they're doing stuff like um brad status last black man in san francisco mm-hmm. um obviously aforementioned uh, moonlight okja and then sort of less even you know stuff that's not even uh pointed towards oscar like uh uh the kick-ass movies which i don't like but like you know whatever yeah, it's like yeah. but genre wise it's genre wise it's you know it's an expansion of of that kind of stuff it's an incredibly very if you have a second go onto the wikipedia page for plan b entertainment it's a really interesting um collection of movies and then of course their 2020 movie was irresistible the john stewart irresistible which uh, by all the, accounts uh, was terrible abysmal but their upcoming ones are all, all all seem really interesting they've got i mean again i don't love miranda july but they've got the new miranda july they've, i'm really curious to see your opinion about that movie well it's going to be a while you're going to have week. to wait a while cuz i am no rush to see it Right. I think it has a planned uh, VOD yeah. release date. It's opening the week this episode drops. Oh, that's interesting. No, or the week the week before. Plan B. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's, it's so... I, I'm trying to decide to what degree I should allow my love for um, 20th century women to uh, filter into enjoying mike mills and then thus by uh osmosis miranda july and we'll see how that sort of filters through things but whatever uh i don't know how you're gonna handle the next mike mills movie that has joaquin i know i don't even want to talk about it yet i i don't (laughs) don't understand why the universe insists on tearing me apart this way uh, Speaking of 20th century women, yes, looping back to yes. the un-Oscared Annette Benning. Yes. So the thing about Annette Benning, she's got four Oscar nominations to her name now. Yes, right? It's The yes. Grifters and The Kids Are All Right. Wait. American Beauty Ameri- and Being Julia. Right, Being Julia, the one I always forget. Okay, so the thing that I always say about Annette Benning, and it sounds mean but it's not because i love annette benning like unequivocally she's never deserved to win an oscar in any of her four nominations not that they aren't good performances but she's never been the best in her category of the nominated actors ever i mean make your case if you want to no like Uh, had she been nominated for 20th century that's the point that's the point easily been the best person nominated that is the point um, yes 
She was that was that's what she should have her Oscar for is for 20th Century Women, and she wasn't even nominated for that, and that is uh, infuriating. I think she comes the closest with her performance in American Beauty, which for all the things say. we can say about American Beauty, she's a goddamn dynamo in that movie. I just think Hilary Swank is a little bit better in Boys Don't Cry. I. I do think Annette Benning, like when you're watching that movie, if there's any way that that movie like works, even by today's standards, it's because of her, because that character is written um, so reprehensibly. Yeah. Um, it, and I think she kind of is a Ryan still, Murphy character. You know what uh, I mean? Very much so. And again, like the things that like I think she works very well at in the way that that. It's very similar between these characters and this one in Running with Scissors. That is like she seems to find the humanity in this like yeah very like labored attempt at humanity as far as the movie is concerned. I agree. She and you know she will sell this house today. Like that's yeah. all there is to it. She's really really fantastic in that. Again, I say that is one of. I. It's interesting to think of the Benning Swank. Uh, dyad because i think they're both oscar worthy in 1999 and neither one of them are i don't think i would have uh uh-huh. thought about giving it to either one of them in 04 i think annette benning and being julia is not a bad performance but i it's such a forgettable but movie. like they were the first they were the top two in that movie and it truly was like annette benning was screwed over for american beauty so here's a movie we could give her an oscar for right. i remember nothing yeah about how about this movie. how about a costume drama no thank you right um uh, swank beats <laughs> her again be obviously me. kate winslet should have won that year for eternal sunshine of the spotless mind possibly amelda staunton for uh vera drake but no, apparently we don't get to have nice things. I think a lot Annette of people Benning in American Beauty is screaming. That is funny. I think about the scene, the dinner scene, uh, where she's like fully just screaming the whole time. Yeah. About Kevin Spacey quitting his job, and it's so funny. Yeah, she's fantastic. Also, there's that shot of her um, in the doorway or in the um, archway of the living room where she's sort of got her her hands on each of the uh, sides of the door jam and just sort of like uh-huh. glowering in on, uh, on Kevin Spacey. That is just like such icon pose. <laughs> I just, Carolyn can't... Burnham was right. She was right. That's your t-shirt. That's our, that's our t-shirt. Carolyn, Carolyn Burnham, Burnham was right. Was right. Uh, I think a lot of people got behind Benning as a should win for the kids are all right in 2010. When I think, especially once the momentum had sort of coalesced around Natalie Portman for Black Swan. I think all Mm -hmm. of the contrarians, and there are contrarians among us, um, sort of like, well, we need to have something that we can all agree on that should be winning instead of, you know, Natalie Portman. And it sort of... And that was just like a really well-liked movie. I never got on board with that because I was always in the very seemingly minority, at least the way it felt during that season that Julianne Moore was the performance of that movie. I agree with that. And I agree with you that that definitely felt like a minority opinion that year. People just can't get on board with Julianne Moore being funny. I think she's really funny sometimes. I do too. She's incredible in that movie. Yeah, no, I think she's incredible in that movie. I think they're both very good. Like it's like no slight against Annette Benning. I know. Um, sure. 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 What sure. does she sing in that? That, that was the big highlight of that movie. Uh, she sings all I want by Joni Mitchell. That's right. I knew it was a Joni Mitchell thing. I couldn't remember. Amazing. Yeah. That's a movie I would like to watch again. I know a lot of people got very up in arms about um, 
<laughs> Julianne Moore having sex with Mark Ruffalo in that movie and it being very uh, sort of problematic in the uh, that bad trope of the you know a lesbian just needs a, a good man to yeah. turn her around or whatever. I don't think that's I what understand that like the doing. uproar about the trope, but like all of that is um, text to the movie. That's the thing. Like, this is my whole thing with like any time a character, yeah. a gay character, dies in anything, everybody is just like lesbian death trope and i'm just like gay characters can die in things like it's sometimes it's not always you know um sometimes things are toxic and sometimes things are being uh grappled with in the text of the movie yes um yeah anyway yeah uh what else what else what else anything else about this movie that we want to talk about brian cox is good in a very not likable role (laughs) I think everybody except for um, Joseph Fiennes is good in the movie. Well, Joseph Fiennes it's has an impossible character too. Like it's good. It would be it would be a lot to make that character work, right? Right, right. In terms of like what the movie offers him to do, it's weird that he really never is scripted to have any of the wit that uh, the book has. Um, yeah, it's still very strange. It's it's it makes it very hard to see why. Augustine would be attracted to him. Yeah. And he's very much attracted to him in the book, is the thing. Uh, Joseph finds another actor who is a, ends up recurring on a Ryan Murphy project. He's on the second season of American Horror Story. Interesting. I did not know that. Playing That's Asylum? Yes, Asylum. He is one of the priests who is uh, Everybody's in, in charge of Asylum. Asylum is the best American Horror Story season. Did Chloe Sevigny ever do another Ryan Murphy thing? Yes. Where does she show up again? Hold on a second. Um, she absolutely does. I'm almost positive. She, by the way, is in the new Luca Guadagnino uh, show on... HBO at play in a <laughs> a wild character indeed, um, but one oh interesting, very much worth watching. She's a um, she's essentially been made commander of this uh, army base in Italy, but she has this like very uh, uh, sort of tran- uh, transgressive uh, mother son relationship with um, Brian Grazer's kid, whose actual name I'm not going to remember at this point. Oh, yeah, she's in, um, is it Hotel? Ah. I think it's Hotel. Oh, with Gaga? Yes, yes, she's in Hotel. I think Did they get to share a scene and nobody told me about this? Do I need to go back and watch American Horror Story Hotel? They might share a scene, actually, yeah. Oh, my God, oh, my God. Hotel was the one I never watched till the end because it was, um unpleasant to a point where i just didn't want to keep watching it but uh yeah she's definitely on it golden globe winner lady gaga yeah story disrespected by leonardo dicaprio on her way to the stage (laughs) so mean so mean anyway she did it for the german autos uh not respecting his fellow italians (laughs) all right i'm going through my notes now gwyneth's cornrows uh Deirdre's mullet. Oh, I wrote this down and I don't know how much I stand by this. Is this Ryan Murphy trying to do Todd Haynes in any way? 
No. Okay. I don't. I don't. I I'm willing to that. accept your your no as definitive. I wasn't. I didn't quite know how much <laughs> I wanted to stand by that statement. Anyway, I hate. So. I hate to just abruptly be like, I don't. Think I don't so, think dear, so. I don't think so, dear. I'm trying to remember um, now what made me think that. What little uh, aspect of it made me think? Sometimes that. I feel like. I guess a lot of Augustine's character reminded me a little bit of like uh, the young Christian Bale character in Velvet Goldmine. Maybe, but maybe that's just like era details. I maybe wonder it's who the costumed scarf. this maybe, movie yeah. because like the costumes are great in this movie. Yeah. Um sometimes I think that Ryan Murphy is trying to do John Waters in a way that misunderstands John Waters. I think so. Or like Cirque in a way that uh, misunderstands Cirque. I don't know if it's necessarily that misunderstands. I do feel like he uh incorporates parts of that but definitely i don't think he ever tries to imitate it so exactly that it feels um like to that level like wrongheaded Mm -hmm. i do feel like he just sort of like that's part of his kind of patchwork of influences anyway i would like to posit annette benning with maybe this movie as uh an exhibit a as our like finest living smoker on screen well like, doesn't Aunt Annette Benning, even when she is mentally unstable in this movie just like make you want to smoke it she makes smoking look like a natural extension of your body the top five annette benning smoking performances all right we're gonna go with this for sure running with scissors 20th century women for sure oh definitely she is a like all-star smoker in that movie in excellent smoke 2016 the greatest year for smoking in film in uh the last decade for sure bugsy i think is iconic smoking in that gotta see bugsy uh i want to see bugsy again but i definitely remember even her like big like clip scene i'm pretty sure she's smoking um she's got to be a smoker in the grifters right probably that's another movie i need to see again all right, I'm just going to go with the top three. My top three, Running with Scissors, 20th Century Women, Bugsy. That's your iconic Annette Benning Annette smoking. Benning smoking. Yeah. She also has to smoke, I feel like, in Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool. A movie I definitely Maybe. saw and don't... A movie I definitely did not see. Oh, didn't you? I thought you did at uh I did at not. We year. could do an episode on that, but like that year I was like, I don't know about this, man. And I was waiting until the last minute because I was certain that she wasn't going to get nominated for this movie. Speaking of iconic uh, types of acting, I feel like you get a little bit of it in this movie. But Brian Cox, one of the great screen uh, yellers of all time. Yes. I feel like Brian Cox is able to uh, just really holler <laughs> in a way. I always think <laughs> of um, that scene in The Ring that I adore where Naomi Watts is accusing him of killing his child. And he just says, my wife was not supposed to have a child. It's so, like, it's very uh, stage-trained and whatever. And also, that same year, his great year of 2002, uh, when he was in Adaptation, and he's... Uh, he's just, like, hollering the character. Yelling at Nicolas Cage in, in, his, uh, in his symposium. About plot details. Nothing happens in the world? Are you out of your fucking mind? People are murdered every day. There's genocide. 
war, corruption. Every fucking day, somewhere in the world, somebody sacrifices his life to save somebody else. Every fucking day, someone somewhere takes a conscious decision to destroy someone else. People find love. People lose it. For Christ's sake, a child watches a mother beaten to death on the steps of a church. Someone goes hungry. Somebody else betrays his best friend for a woman. If you can't find that stuff in life, then you, my friend, don't know crap about life. And why the fuck are you wasting my two precious hours with your movie? (laughs) Ah, wonderful. All right. Do we want to do an IMDb game? Yeah, let's get into it. Do you want to explain what the IMDb game is? Uh, sure. Every week we end our episodes with the IMDb game where we challenge each other with an actor or actress to try to guess the top four titles that IMDb says they are most known for. If any of these titles are television or voiceover work, we will mention that up front. After two wrong guesses, we get a remaining title's release years as a clue. If that's not enough, it just becomes a free-for-all of hints and uh, clues in the terms of our own uh, poop messages from God. Excellent. Love a poop message from God. That was, that scene was truly. It's way earlier in the book and it's yeah. so late in the movie that I'm like, this is too late for this. We've already, we've already had enough. We've already gone to the masturbatory. Well, and it turns it into we've already this had sort the of electroshock therapy machine. Yeah. It turns it into this sort of harrowing moment for the Jill Clayburgh character too, where, yeah. um, you know, this is now her life as she's fishing her husband's poop out of a, uh, the toilets i don't know so he can display it in the driveway of all things yes okay yeah movie uh imagine a movie nominated for oscar where uh, <laughs> it involves displayed poop sure at least we don't see it anyway um maybe that's part of your john waters theory of all of this i don't know it's something he's trying for something yes all right would you like to give or guess first Mm, how about a guess first? Okay. So the one I have chosen for you, I obviously had a bounty of options in terms of Ryan Murphy's projects because he casts everybody. And one he has cast multiple times. Uh, this actor was in uh, A Normal Heart. He was in Feud, Betty uh, versus Joan. The great Alfred Molina. The great and very sexy Alfred Molina. Um, ooh, is there any TV? There is not. There's not TV. Okay. So, Feud, also known as Betty and Joan Food. Um, <laughs> they sure were uh, eating the scenery and that. That's what Eat, Pray, Love is. It is uh, <laughs> Eat, Pray, Love, Food. <laughs> it's Feud and Food. Love it. Um, okay. Uh, Frida. Frida, the one he almost got an Oscar nomination for, correct. Should have gotten one for. Uh, Spider-Man 2. Yep. Doc Ock. Very good. Uh, Do I think Boogie Nights is on there? Very small role in Boogie Nights. Very small role. So good. Should have been Oscar nominated for Boogie Nights. (laughs) I think Uh, what you wanted to get nominated in Boogie Nights from that is just Night Ranger's Sister Christian. I think that is the the Oscar nomination. He gets it, man. Like, he understands the assignment. What is happening in that scene? Um, Do I think even one of the. 
Mm. A lot of pondering. I think Love is Strange is on there. It's a lead role. It is. He's usually in an ensemble. What else might he be top billed in? Uh, Okay, I'm just going to say that i'm going to say love is strange the great love is strange let's do it let's go let's do it let's 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 do it uh no let's do it let's 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 go let's 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 do it let's go let's print let's let's go let's go let's go all right you're wrong uh, love is strange is not one of his known God. for that is your first strike damn it Tuh. um hmm. okay fine boogie nights no it is also not boogie nights <laughs> Okay. All right. So your Nine. years on your two missing uh, films are 1999 and 2000. Oh, okay. So both of them pre-Frida. Correct. Mm, he's in a lot of movies. He's in a lot of movies. I would argue he has seldom been bad. 1999 and 2000. And this is an especially sort of uh, busy time. Like, I feel like he's working a lot in this era. Although I guess the early 2000s are his biggest. uh... Wait, I know what 2000 is. I don't know why it's on his known for. It has to be Shakala. He's like the villain of Shakala. It's Shakala. Yeah, I know. I'm, uh, yes, it's amazing. Wild. Is Shakala on anybody else's known for? I guess we'll have I to. I don't even think it's on Juliette Binoche's known for. Now, have we done Binoche? I feel like I'm we have. I'm pretty sure we have. And I don't think it is. Yeah, Binoche's are. No, it is on her. Okay. okay, I absolutely feel Dench's? like I absolutely feel like her known for is different than when we did it originally. Maybe because I don't remember Clouds of Sils Maria being on it. Either. It's got to be on Lena Olin's, right? Maybe it's not even on Lena Olin's. Well, now I'm going to check it. Anyway, okay, I have one more title to guess. 1999. Ah, it is on Lena Olin's. Maybe okay. Chocolat's just one of those movies. Yeah. Is it on Hulu or something right now that people are watching that movie? Uh, I don't know. One of my worst qualities is that I would probably oh, it's on HBO. It's on HBO now, so maybe that. Yeah, maybe I'll watch that today. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll be stupid and watch Chocolat today. Amazing. I would watch that movie at any given moment. Um, I am part of the problem. Uh, 1999. I'm going to need more hints because nothing is coming to me. Uh, You were very close to this with one of your incorrect guesses. I will say there is a 1999 movie that I would have thought he would have been uh, on that would have been on this. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's not 1999. Um, Oh, you know what? He's not in that movie, but it's that's another movie with. uh, (laughs) But I think that's another movie with Diego Rivera as a character. I was thinking Cradle of Rock, but uh, Uh, because doesn't that have Diego Rivera in that? But I think I've never seen it. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. A million people in that movie, though. Okay, so I was close. So my wrong guesses were Love is Strange and Boogie Nights. So Love is Strange, uh, I mean, it's not going to be a sax movie. So is it? Is it Magnolia? It's Magnolia. I have no memory of him being in Magnolia. I don't think I do either. Right. Maybe he's in like one scene. 
He's Wait credited a as a no. character named he's Solomon and, Solomon. He yells a lot. Well, oh, Solomon Solomon. Yeah, he fires uh, Bill Macy. Okay. All right. There we go then. Yeah. that It's so early in that movie that it's like... Yeah. Granted, early in that movie could be <laughs> a whole two and a half hours into it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wild, excellent. wild stuff. Mag- Magnolia of all of his movies. Uh, for I also went the Ryan Murphy route for you. I was not going to make it as easy as doing, say, like Julianne Moore, right. who almost starred in this movie. Um, <laughs> I, however, I did not go into the Ryan Murphy past. I went into the Ryan Murphy future. Uh-oh. I chose someone from the major motion picture coming this December to Netflix, The Prom. Uh-huh. Um, what about The Prom? What if that's in somebody's Golden Globe speech this year? <laughs> what about The Prom? What about The Prom? Uh, uh, I chose for you uh, postered uh, prom ensemble member Keegan-Michael Key. Oh, I knew you were going to do this to me. Damn. No television. What? Oh my god. Oh, there is no television here. Jeez. That is the wildest thing. There's to gotta do. be a voice uh, one though, right? There's no voice. Are you kidding me? So literally no the oh, the best things that I have for Keegan Michael Key were gonna be Key and Peel and Toy Story 4. Okay. Okay. Alright. I see how you're doing this. You <laughs> you who likes to pretend that you're never evil to me. By the way, I'm going to remember this. I'm going to bring this one up the next time. Just like I'm Michael Key, who shows up in a bunch of I'm movies. I'm never for one evil scene. to you, Joe. You're always so mean to me on IMDb game. I'll remember. I've been it. nice to you recently, so I had to make it somebody who is usually in bit roles. Uh, is Tomorrowland one of them? Tomorrowland is one of them. Okay, thank God. Tomorrowland, a movie I have famously never seen. A movie that famously is not real. Um, many people bought a ticket to that and. They did not play a movie because Tomorrowland does not exist. <laughs> All right. There's one that I remember him in, but it's so small I can't imagine. And I'm trying to remember the title of it. But it's not the Mike Birbiglia um, improv movie, is it? Uh, don't Think Twice? No. Yeah. I liked that movie. I did too. I just couldn't remember the title. Um, no. He's good in that and uh, and Gillian Jacobs is good in that. Okay. Keegan-Michael Key. I am going to be so up a creek on this. I hate it. This is the wildest assortment of unknown four I've seen in like so oh, little time. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, and it's no voice performances. I feel like he's doing a ton. Wait, is he in Dolomite? He is. That is not on. Of course. They never do Netflix. Uh, I will give you years then. Your years are 2014, 2016, in 2018 however one of these like it's obviously evil that there is no tv but there is one that is like it's it's not from the tv show but like you know it there there's a, a lot of association there's a lot of association. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's with uh, perhaps somebody he was famous for being on a tv show with so with uh, jordan peele it makes sense that oh, you've maybe forgotten this movie was a thing. Is it Keanu? It's Keanu. Oh my god. The kitty movie. I hate you. I hate you so sincerely. I kind of liked Keanu. I never saw it. I kind of liked it. 
Okay, so you got 2014, 2018. Uh, both of them uh, slightly problematic, but like nobody noticed that these movies happened. <laughs> I didn't know he was in one of them. One of them is a horror movie. Keegan-Michael Key in a horror movie. Perhaps a reboot of a horror movie. Oh, I was going to say, he's not definitely not in any of Jordan's movies. Uh, a reboot of a horror movie. He's not in... Is this 2018? Tr- is the horror movie 2018? Yes. Is he in Halloween? There's a whole... Halloween? In what? Is he in Halloween? No. No. I hate that movie. Um, There's a whole trend happening, especially with, like, genre movies, where it's like, we went away from using this word in movies, and now we're going back to using this word in franchise movies. Um... Are you going to force me to say a word I'm going to get canceled for saying? No. Oh, okay. It's it, it's a simple three-letter word that movie titles used to have, and then it's like, oh, it's cool if we don't have this word. The? And now, it's, yes, the word the. He's in a movie called The? <laughs> no. Oh. It's The Blank. Oh, I see. So, like, The Batman. It's a horror movie. Sort of like how we're saying The Batman, right? Yeah, okay. like, the next Batman movie is not Batman. It is, it is the, the Batman. Batman. Okay. All right. Right. So it's the... Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the Wolfman. No, that's not 2018. Oh, sorry, right, 2018. Kate Blanchett did not say that's <laughs> gross, gross on the Oscars gross. in 2019. <laughs> okay, that's gross. Uh, the the RoboCop, the Fright Night, the you're getting closer because it's like sci-fi-ish horror, perhaps because the villain is an alien, the Predator. The Predator. I never saw The Predator. He's definitely in that, though. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so your other movies. The Predator also played at TIFF, by the way. Do you remember that? When The Predator was it in the Night Madness? It absolutely did. And it played at TIFF immediately when the controversy about it happened. Oh, God, right. The controversy about it. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so your 2014 movie. It is a comedy. It is a summer comedy that bombed. And got terrible reviews. 2014. Turns out people don't want to see these types of characters be funny. These types of characters be funny. It's all uh, centered around a job. Like, what is this profession that we would not want to see funny? A profession that we don't want to see funny. Oh God, it's uh, it's the cop movie. Um, it is the cop movie. Do you know? Remember, remember the name of this 2014. Cop it's like movie? it's like um, uh, let's be cops or something like that. Let's be cops. Yeah. Oh boy, did nobody want to see this movie? It's him and Damon Wayans Jr. Right? Or it's uh, Jake Johnson uh, and Damon Wayans. He's not. Uh, Keegan Michael Key is not a lead. It's Jake Johnson and Damon Wayans. All right. What a decidedly unwell known for for keegan michael key like for god's sake he's done such oh, good it's damon stuff. wayans jr it's not even damon wayans i know it's damon wayans jr i didn't know that yeah, i know because uh as you can imagine i avoided that movie like it was the plague <laughs> your your inability to tell uh, uh damon wayans credits from damon wayans jr's credits has come up before on uh um uh what you call it cinephile our categories not yeah oh yeah yeah i missed it i couldn't yeah uh yeah that was very difficult so thank you 
Well done. Oh, it does say, I'm now on his Wikipedia page, it does say he has an uncredited cameo in Get Out, and I'm trying to remember where that is. Mm. Oh, it says he's he like NCAA prospect, so he must be one of the photos on uh, Allison Williams's uh, little uh, collection of former victims. Ah. You know, when she's, like, going through and we see in, like, all the previous yeah, guys she's, she's done Yeah, she has the glass of milk and she's, yes, like, very terrifyingly and hilariously chewing a Fruit Loop. Yes. Uh, Fruit Loop singular. Great movie. All right. So do we feel like we've uh, we've gotten everything that we can get out of Running With Scissors? Can we talk about for, like, half a second about how much I hate that poster where it's the hand? Stupid poster. With Imagine a movie with that poster not making any money <laughs> it's such an off-putting poster like i don't want i don't want hands to have legs i just don't it made seven million dollars i'm because it turns like the like, palm of your hand into a butt it turns the like the bottom of your palm into a butt and i don't like it <laughs> look at that poster tell me i'm wrong <laughs> the bottom of that hand is a butt the uncanny valley of butt hands thank you i that's man if we had special titles for episodes that would be if we did like las culturista style like that would be front runner for title the uncanny valley of butt the hands uncanny valley of butt hands that's also merch by the way that's going in the episode summary <laughs> that's our next merch the uncanny valley of butt hands all right yeah all right I, yeah that's it for uh let's let's episode, let's let's print let's let's end let's do it yeah. all right let, let, let's 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 go why did let's, we decide to do go. this bit let's... just this week like 15 times <laughs> so stupid let's 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 go let's let's god's sake all right that's our episode Iconic. If you want more of This Head Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at thishadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. You should also follow our Twitter account at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. Chris, where can the listeners find you and your stuff? Uh, you can find me uh, walking with scissors. I don't know, something that's not <laughs> dangerous, like running with scissors. Um, on Twitter, at Chris V. File, that's F-E-I-L. Also on Letterboxd, under the same name. I am on Twitter, at Joe Reed, uh, Reed spelled R-E-I-D. I am also on Letterboxd, as Joe Reed, Reed spelled the exact same way. We would like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork, and Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance. Please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever else you get podcasts (laughs) a five-star review in particular really helps us out with apple podcast visibility so climb out of the uncanny valley of butt hands and write us a nice review won't you that is all for this week but we hope you'll be back next week for more buzz all right this had oscar buzz addendum because i know we promised uh we might just throw this in at the end honestly rather than me trying to find a way to like uh squirrel it in I've we promise we need to have like post credits yes this is our first the, this had say. oscar buzz post credit scene i promised at the beginning of the episode to talk about the bill condon story and now i realize that i didn't and i can't leave you guys hanging like this and bill chris condon, my has never heard the bill condon story which is i think i haven't okay so when i mentioned that uh, new yorker profile which was done i think right before pose came out the emily nussbaum uh profile of ryan murphy in the new yorker from may of 2018 
one of uh, the stories in it, she talks about sort of Condon coming to Los Angeles and uh, sort of making his way. And he was living at the time with his boyfriend, Bill Condon, who was pre-Gods and Monsters at this point. I think he was a couple years before Gods and Monsters. And Murphy was kind of the house husband. They had like a... Um, like. He, like human sized bird cage in this backyard apparently mm-hmm. that like they had birds in and it was the whole thing but one of the things uh they murphy talks about the end of the relationship and he said he looked at this bird cage in the backyard and there were two lovebirds and uh one of them was gone and he said i took that as a sign and i left and i went and i lived at the chateau marmont for six months um and then so emily nussbaum's like another angle on that story is from condon so bill condon remembers the story uh as uh, the end of the relationship differently he said when visiting laguna beach with murphy condon got caught in a riptide and when he thought he saw a flash of hesitation on murphy's face as if he might let him drown he knew that the relationship was over everybody talks about rupaul letting a man drown Indeed. maybe ryan murphy is the person who's like what is this with the upper echelon of like <laughs> gays gay elites in television letting people drown Ryan Murphy didn't even send thoughts and prayers to uh, to this is gay force loving energy. (laughs) So anyway, that story, I'm I literally I am shocked that more people didn't talk about that because it was goddamn shocking (laughs) just to read the part. And I just love that, like, and it's just (laughs) like a difference of opinion. Ryan Murphy would have let me die, and just Bill Condon just saying it, just like. You can imagine what he says in private if this is what he says in public to a New Yorker columnist. Like, amazing story. What an amazing story. Oh, wow. Yeah. So anyway, that is the Ryan Murphy, Bill Condon story. Let's let's, let's go. (laughs) So now you have heard it. And uh, thank you, listeners, for indulging our little post-credit scene. We hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Try not to get caught in a riptide in anywhere near Ryan Murphy, because you may not... uh, Savior Hudson. Yeah, exactly. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.